Gray. Yes. Happy days. Slack have changed their uh, app icon. I don't think they're happy days, Mike. No, they changed it. That's what you wanted, right? You wanted them to change it. Well, no. No, I didn't want them to change it. I didn't Um, want them to change it in the first place. But now they've changed it again. Yeah, they've changed it again, I think is what you need to say. They've changed it again in the space of, what was it, 10 days at most? Yeah, something like that. It was very it was very fast. And what did they what did they do to the icon Mike? <laughs> they changed the background which was purple to now it is white. Um so the the pinwheel still exists but now the app icon has a white background rather than a purple background. Right. Do you have any thoughts on this? <sighs> Honestly, I would have I think I preferred the purple background because I have so many apps that have a white background. Now it looks even more like the apps that we were saying it looked like before, right? Like yeah. it looks like photos. It looks like all of Google's apps. Like it just looks more and more like all of the other enterprise apps that we were making fun of it. Of. Yeah. Uh, the thing I saw in their app description in, in the store update, when I pulled the updates down and saw white Slack logo and I went, oh, no. I looked, into, I looked there and they're like, oh, people were having a hard time seeing the red alert badge. So we changed the background to white, which, I don't know, it seems like it's a thing that maybe should have come up in testing. But yeah. it, and it's a, it's a bold move to change it to white. There's a, there's, a, there's a little complication here, which I am confused over because my Mac apps haven't updated to change their icon background to white. My Mac is still still has a maroon background mm-hmm. for Slack. And I just sort of assumed, oh, they're probably going to change that any day to match. I mean, maybe, but maybe not. So I have two different Slacks right now with these two different colored icons. And I got I got to say this white background is is just killing me because Sure, a, a red badge is easier to see on a white background. You know that doesn't affect me because of the way I set up my phone. But I have too many apps that have a white background, which send me an alert, and I, I am not able to retrain my brain to expect Slack alerts to be white. And like the real, the real problem for me here is mostly I get alerts from Do D U E, the great timer app. And that app is mostly white. There's like a slight gray clock on it, but it's it's essentially a white icon. And at a glance, when my phone throws up a little alert, it's just, it's impossible for me to see now. Is that do or is it Slack? Mm-hmm. And my brain can't even remember that Slack is white on the phone. And it's it's really driving me bonkers. It's like their badges might be much more visible, but their notifications have just, they've become impossible for me to see. Like I just can't, perceive it it's a change that i'm having a really hard time with like in making the badges more visible they've actually made the app icon less distinctive yeah because at least the purple was distinctive i don't have any other apps that with that color yeah i never had a problem with the purple background really i mean i don't have like a massive problem with the icon anyway but i just think that it isn't as nice or as as playful as the previous one which i enjoyed the funny thing to me now is that one of the reasons they did this was because they had app icons that look different in different places. And now mm-hmm. now they look different in different places again. 
I think fundamentally what this is showing me, right, this white background trend, is that Apple needs to follow Android and stop enforcing round rec boxes for all their apps. I think it's time that that developers can just set whatever shape they want as long as they have a consistent size. So you could have circle ones, you could have just app icons. This is a pretty normal one on Android and has been for a while, and I much prefer mm-hmm. that look because... You see more of your desktop wallpaper, right? Like, mm-hmm. and everything's still in a grid. It doesn't look like a mess because they they enforce sizing, and some are square, some are circle, some are just the logos, right? So, like, you could have the Slack logo would be just the logo, right? Like the, right. the little pinwheel. There'd be nothing behind it. Um, I would prefer that, and I think I think it's time to do that now. To be honest, yeah, and it would even be like on the the uh, the old Higgs human interface guideline for the Mac. I remember there was a, there was a section that specifically talked about how, uh, in order to help your users find things, you should always be sure to distinguish along two axes, like have different colors for buttons, but also have different shapes for buttons, so that you're you're looking for two things to identify. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this the cut scissors? You know, the cut scissors is yep. a different color and shape from the paste button. At least having the option to have different shaped icons might be one thing that helps especially because it seems like there's there's nothing in the world that can stop companies once they reach a certain size from preferring to have either a white background with primary colors or just blue right you know it's like <laughs> as as you get bigger as a company that's what you trend towards those are your two options a blue background with an envelope on it all email apps <laughs> yeah. i wish slack would give me an option to to take that background back because it's, it's like you know i mean we did we had we all had a good time discussing the dick pinwheel last episode everybody enjoyed it but i didn't really give slack a big hard time about it i wasn't like oh this this icon is totally unacceptable and the the it was distinctive with that color and that made it easy to see in your notifications and and now like slack just gets lost in do notifications or iphoto mm-hmm. updates and it's like i can't i can't find this thing especially when you consider like looking at your phone at the like the notification banner only gives i mean what must it be a six millimeter space to compress down the icon size you know you really only have one color to go with at that size so it's like great white icon i mean was it really like that you had like a scale on one side was maroon and the other was white there was nothing in between right. at all on this color spectrum that you could have chosen from oh uh, well if it can't be purple it's gonna have to be white guys we all know that right <laughs> well try black maybe black would have been fine and would have been different you know like it, it just seems funny to me it's like that was really that was where you had to go was it just straight to white there's no other option and I, I, I do in the back of my mind. I have a, I have a tiny, tiny conspiracy theory because okay. <laughs> when you put the badge, when you put the badge on an iOS icon, that does also change the shape of the icon because the, the, the badge is able to stand on top of the little corner. Yeah, it gives you a little cutout, doesn't it? Yeah, it gives you a little cutout, and it, it, it allows you to distinguish by two things. There's a red badge, and also the shape of the icon is slightly different. I'm just not entirely sure I buy their argument that oh people were having a hard time seeing the badge so we so we had to immediately change the icon. I don't, my conspiracy theory is they always wanted white mm. but they knew that if on day 1 they had it be white 
they would have gotten all of the, oh, this looks like every other icon yep. in the world criticism. So they said, we're going we're gonna to do this in phases. Phase one, a strange plum color. Phase two, what we really want, white. But by, by the time we switch it to white, all of the conversations about our icon change will be over and people won't want to revisit it unless they're the Cortex podcast. And so we'll, we'll be safe. That's, that's, my, that's my little bit of a conspiracy theory, that this was a planned rolled You're up. You're never safe from Cortex. Nobody <laughs> yeah. is safe from Cortex. No one. We see you, Slack. We see you. How you doing, Mike? Pretty jet-lagged, um, but I'm warm again. Wait, where were you? I didn't know you were traveling. <laughs> I was in Chicago. I did a very quick trip to Chicago. Wait, I didn't know you went to Chicago. You know, you you went to Chicago and you didn't tell me. You went to America and you didn't tell me. I should have told you. I I'm a, I apologize. The country I, of my birth. <laughs> I need to know when you're going there. Sure. <laughs> there is actually, uh, if I peel back the curtain for the Cortexans out there, um, which by the way, there's been some discussion in the Cortex subreddit about the naming, and mm -hmm. I remember very a long time ago you referenced Cortexans. Um, mm -hmm. And I figured that that's just what we're going with. So just imagine, like a big cowboy hat uh, on our on our artwork, and that that's that's all of our listeners. So anyway, <laughs> I was never in any doubt over Cortexan. It's just too good, Mike. Like you you were never gonna you never gonna fight. No, it's that. perfect. <laughs> I was never in doubt, but we just don't say it enough. So like the the Cortexans wanted to know, um, so now they know. So it's Cortexans. Ah, but anyway, okay. so Gray actually has a calendar. Uh, that he keeps my travel on. I found this out quite recently. So there you go. So I apologize for not telling you. That is true, listeners. I do. I do. It's not It's not just you, Mike. No, I, I don't know who else is on this calendar, but I know I'm on it. But I get People it. People that I work with, it's useful to know when they're not going to be available. Yeah, because yeah, so if you need me for something and I'm not answering in my usual time frame, then it's like, oh, because he's probably on a plane. But anyway, right. so I was, in, I was in Chicago. It was from Friday to... Tuesday morning, mm -hmm. uh, which is the most compressed U.S. trip that I've ever taken. That's pretty brutal. It was it was an interesting experience, and uh, I, I went out to uh, support and be on an episode of Mac Power Users, which is a show on Relay FM that is co-hosted by my co-founder Stephen Hackett. Um, he recently took over uh, on the show, and. They were doing their first ever live show together, and I was like, oh, I want to go out to Chicago. Plus, great. I love Chicago. I think Chicago is my second favorite city in America of all the ones that I've been to behind New York. Um, mm. I probably upset about everyone with that statement, just like everyone. No, one's ex no one likes the fact that I just said that, right? If you're in New York or Chicago, I'm sure I've annoyed you, right? A and every other city, but that's just how it is. Um, I really like Chicago, and I really like New York, and they're pretty close together, actually, I think, in my estimation, for, for the places that I like. However, the weather in Chicago was bonkers. Mm-hmm. The feels-like temperature, because that's the only temperature that matters... Right, of course. ...was minus 27 degrees Celsius. Were you there for that that cold snap that they had in Chicago recently? Like, you must have just caught the tail end of that. Believe it or not, this was actually the not-so-cold <laughs> cold snap. Okay. They All had right, so one that was worse. That. They had yeah. one, that, they had one that was way worse. Um, but yeah, this is mi minus 27 degrees Celsius. It's pretty cold. It was wild. I've never experienced temperature like that before. <laughs> I had to buy like clothing I didn't own. Right. I bought like a fleece vest and stuff, like new hat, new gloves, new scarf. It's like a whole a whole big situation going on over there. 
Um, but it was it was it was fun to be able to walk down the street and feel literally the inside of my nose freezing. That was interesting. Well, I mean, you need to cover up your face as well in those kind of temperatures. Well, I tried to, but like, so here's the thing: I'm not going to buy and wear a balaclava because that just like that's terrible, right? Okay. Like, I feel like walking down a street in a big city wearing a balaclava. It doesn't matter how cold it is people are going to be concerned about you, right? I feel like mm-hmm. that that's just a thing. So I had a scarf on and I was covering up as much as my face and I was wearing like a woolly hat. So it was basically just like my eyes and my nose poking out of there. But I wasn't like hiking, you know? Like mm-hmm. I was just walking from like breakfast place to coffee shop to a hotel, that kind of thing. Uh, but it was a, a real different experience for me weather-wise. But now the result is I'm very jet-lagged. Very, yeah. very jet lagged. I've had this like weird thing where like I, I'm forgetting to do normal things. Oh yeah, that's the hardcore jet lag. I've never had that before. So like I take some pills the the first thing I do when I wake up and the last thing I do when I go to sleep. And I mm-hmm. keep forgetting to take them. And I do this mm-hmm. every single day for two days in a row. I've just not been taking them. Like what's happened to me? Why is that mm-hmm. happening now? So that's where I am in my life. I'm presuming then that you didn't try to stay on GMT during this trip. You did a li- little little bit of a time conversion going to Chicago for I did a total two time and a half days. To- total oh, time conversion. God, that'll f you up, boy. Like that is brutal. It didn't actually occur to me. I may have I may have tried your system actually, but it didn't occur to me to do it. Mm-hmm. But I I probably should have for this trip, and I think I would have been <laughs> able to get away with it. Right, but I didn't do it. Especially because there was like Mike. a day and a half where, like everybody else that was in town had already gone. Like, luckily, I actually have friends in Chicago, so I had things to do. But like, there were no real requirements for me other than one day in the evening. So I could have gone on Grey Master time, but I forgot mm. to try that. Plus, as well, it's only six hours. Did you bring back your warm weather gear? Yeah, of course. It will now go in a box to be maybe used again at some point in the future. Yeah, the next time London hits minus 27. Well, I mean, <laughs> there is a possibility that we could go to Romania in the winter at some point. Okay. And they get cold, it gets colder than that. And I have to admit that I'm not really up on my Romanian weather. I don't I don't really have a sense of what it's like. When I was talking to Adina about is this. It, is it tropical? I don't she know. was just like, in the summer, it gets like above 40. And then in the winter, it gets to like minus 40. Like it's just the whole range in between. Uh, but she was just like, oh yeah, like... We we'd experienced temperatures of minus twenty seven, but like that was the temperature. We didn't really talk about feels like it's like oh my god, <laughs> right? Like because the actual temperature was like minus sixteen, but the mm-hmm. feels like was minus twenty seven. She was like, oh yeah, we used to just get like it starts at minus twenty seven. So you know, I could probably use some of it there if we ever went there in the winter. I really like snow because I grew up in London, so never really got any. So, like, I'm one yeah. of those people that likes snow. So, at some point, we do want to go to Romania when it's super snowy so I can experience the super snow. Yeah, snow's the best. Who doesn't like snow? It's, it's always disappointing when a London winter passes and there's no snow. people that live in Chicago didn't, was, was the impression I got from being there for, oh, for a weekend. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know what it's like in Chicago because mm-hmm. as a New Yorker, you never think of Chicago because they don't matter. Oh my god! I grew up in I grew up in New York, and there was lots of snow in New York, and and then and I love it, and everybody loves it. It's great. <laughs> there's a there's a Chicago New York rivalry, and 
Chicago is always making a lot of noise about it, and New York never thinks about Chicago. Oh, it's that Mad Men meme, right? <laughs> it's like I think about you every day. I don't think about you at all. Yeah, that's New York and Chicago. Mm, interesting. <laughs> that's why you think there's a big rivalry, because you've just come from Chicago. Meanwhile, every New Yorker I know never thinks about that. Don't come back to the internet for like another two weeks. <laughs> you stay off it for just a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not rushing back anytime soon, Mike. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> this episode of Cortex is brought to you by ExpressVPN. We can probably all hold our hands up and admit that cybercrime is probably something that we think happens to other people. Because who wants your data, right? Well, unfortunately, the bad news is that stealing data from people like you and me using public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest ways for hackers to make money. If you leave your internet connection unencrypted, your passwords and credit card numbers can be vulnerable. But there is something that you can do to protect yourself from cybercriminals. You can start using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing. It will encrypt your data and hide your public IP address with easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your device. You can turn on ExpressVPN protection with just one click, and you're free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It even comes comes of a 30-day money-back guarantee. As you know, I travel a lot. And when I travel, I'm quite frequently using hotel Wi-Fi, coffee shop Wi-Fi, stuff like that. I started using ExpressVPN when they reached out to me to sponsor the show. And I was super happy with how simple it was to set up and then how easy it is to enable and disable it whenever I need it. I love that it uses a thing called Smart Location. So it works out what is the best VPN to be, for me to be connected to. And it will connect me to the nearest network. So that way, it will, things will stay nice and fast and fresh all the time. I love ExpressVPN. It works on all my devices. It works on my iOS devices, and it works on my Mac as well. It gives me a little bit of peace of mind whilst also keeping my connection blazing fast. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same Express VPN protection that I have. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. Just go to expressvpn.com cortex to learn more, protect your online activity today, and find out how you can get three months for free at expressvpn.com cortex. That is E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com cortex for three months free with a one-year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, so we are time trackers. And because of our time tracking, I think that we both have a good feeling of what we do every day, right? That's the thing that we talk about a lot. So we, t we track our time mostly so we know what we're, we're up to. But I wondered if we could take a look at what our devices actually tell us we're doing rather than what our time tracking is telling us that we're doing. Like, will our, will our iOS devices snitch on us if we ask them, what are Mike and Gray actually up to? And that is where our old friend Screen Time can come in. You want to do a Screen Time comparison? I do want to do a Screen Time comparison. Okay. This has been an interesting week for me, so we can do a, a okay. Screen Time comparison. That's stream screen so oh we can do God. a screen time comparison <laughs> stream like, no, stream crimes stream streaming <laughs> crimes comparisons so we can do a stream time comparison no i'm keeping that in no, no, no. like how you made me keep in the gap right which people were saying oh i bet i bet mike did edit that gap what down gap? What you, when what i was talking about? on the last episode when i was trying to like think of a metaphor and like i sat for a few seconds and you claimed it was many minutes 
That doesn't sound like something I do. Okay. I don't remember this. Yeah, yeah, that definitely isn't something you would do. But anyway, let's let's compare our screen crimes with each other. Yes, <laughs> we can we can do that. I do want to have a little quick little sidebar on screen time though, mm-hmm. because I, I never got around to making this one point about it because before Apple introduced this feature, and by the way, if you don't know what this is on Android, it's called digital well being. Okay, and it's yeah. basically your phone basically making a report about the apps that you're using and the websites that you're visiting and how many times you pick up your phone every day and how many notifications you get. So both companies, both Apple and Google, introduced this around the same time. Um, so mm-hmm. this is something that we can all play along at home with if we want to. Yeah, but this, like, but this is the little point that I want to make about screen time, which I was very disappointed because when Apple rolled it out, the weeks before, I, I was like gleeful on the pod. Like, there's a reckoning a coming. Like, people are going to be appalled when they see how much they're using their phones all day long. And I was like rubbing my hands in excitement for the chaos of it. Yeah. But I didn't realize, and it never even occurred to me, that by default, Apple wouldn't turn it on. And in retrospect, it seems like, well, of course they're not going to turn it on by default because they don't want people like the whole world to wake up one morning and go, oh my God, I can't believe how much time I spend in iMessage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just I wanted to get it on the record. I thought that was a cowardly move. Okay. I think it should have been on by default, and I think it is. I I really think it was a cowardly choice to have it off by default rather than on by default. I think it could have really helped a lot of people recognize something in their own behavior. And Apple Apple knew that, and Apple chose not to do that as the default. And as we've discussed many times, if, if something is not the default, the vast majority of people will never know that it even exists because most people don't mess around in the settings. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I will say that recently there have been a lot of articles and a lot of people writing and sharing this data. So I think that now after like six months or whatever the screen time has been available, it's starting to become more of a thing in technology writing. Um, There's been like a bunch of articles recently about this kind of stuff and about like being addicted to our devices. So I would expect more people are turning it on now than they did before because it seems to be becoming um, more of a talking point. So, but I I don't disagree with you at all. I I actually do agree with you. And I hadn't considered that because if I'm being completely honest, I'd forgotten that they didn't turn it on by default because I turned it on myself like mm-hmm. nine months ago, right, on my iPhone. But I, I do think at the same time, even though Apple didn't do it, I think the rest of the technology community at large is basically forcing people to do it by making it a talking point. I mean, I think you vastly overestimate the power and reach of the technology press. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying it's changing the world. I'm just saying that there are like more people are doing it now because it's becoming a thing written about in the New York Times or whatever. But obviously, this is nowhere near the level of impact that if literally every single iPhone user got a notification on Sundays telling them about their percentages. I, I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah. But it's just I just wanted to mark that like over the last couple of months, especially. I'm seeing this conversation occur more and more than I did before. Yeah, well, I think ever, ever, like for the last 18 months, there's been a slow change in the way people think about their relationship with technology and social yep. media and all of the rest of that. And I, I just, I think that the 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 tech press is, is swept up in this larger sea change that is occurring 
anyway. I, I don't actually think they're necessarily the cause of it, but that's all. No. That's a whole. That's a whole other issue. I still wish maybe maybe uh, maybe an iOS 13 when it comes out, Apple can take the brave choice to turn it on by mm-hmm. default. I'd like to see that. Anyway, who's who in this standoff is going to go first? I think I should go first. Okay, you go first. Let all me right. see. Let me see your screen time, Mike. Okay. So I've got three screenshots for you. That should have all of the data that you need. Okay. So we have kind of like the what's being used. And this is also for me a slightly different week than usual because mm-hmm. it's included a long haul flight and mm-hmm. a non typical working week and weekend. Right. Um, because I was I was traveling and, and doing different things, but uh, it's. I don't think it's too misrepresentative of a of a typical week for me. But there there are some things that will that I'll be able to point out as a little bit higher usage than others. Um, so you ha- do you have my data now? I'm receiving your data. I'm just processing it so I can put it on these on three big images on my screen mm-hmm. so I can behold the data. Why is your Tweetbot black. Is that an option to make a Tweetbot have a black icon? Yeah, when they because Tweetbot changed their icon and they okay. created a hellish bird <laughs> and uh, just very bad, just angry bird they made basically. So uh, a lot of people complained about that, and then they added the ability to add the old icon in both blue and black. Oh, the okay. black icon used to be used for Netbot, the app.net app. I remember. I'm not app. gonna Net. even bother to explain that, but that <laughs> was just a thing it. that existed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I always like Tweetbot, but even uh, I don't know what their new icon looks like. But even their old icon, I always, always thought looked a little bit like a like a screaming, terrified robot duck. <laughs> yeah, so they went from that one to like an angry, like a like a literal frowning, almost shrieking looking bird icon. <laughs> Companies and Apple, why can't you just let us set? Whatever icon we want, like this is yeah. always such a thing. Yeah, <laughs> but at least they they did introduce that. I That's will good. I will hand it to to Tweetbot that people complained, so they introduced not only options but more options than there were before. So right, you know, I, I, they they did the right thing. I think. Okay, so I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, at your three images here. Mm-hmm. The the life of Mike last seven days. All devices. Yeah. So this is broken down into three major categories, screen time. You have what they just refer to as screen time. So how mm-hmm. long apps have been open um, mm-hmm. and kind of your general overall usage. Then they have pickups, which is obviously how many times a day you pick up your phone and what apps you're using when you do pick up your phone. And then mm-hmm. they have a notifications screen. Um, I would like to start by just addressing something about the notifications. <laughs> What would you What would you like to address about the notifications, Mike? Because I'm looking at a number that says five thousand two hundred and thirty six, yep. around seven hundred and fifty notifications per day. So I have a, there's a problem with this. So this data okay. is all my devices, right? Okay. So they are including every notification times three, right? Then that is a a problem that Apple should solve. Like. I shouldn't have listed 3,395 iMessage notifications over the last week because it's actually been 1,100, but they just came through on all of the devices, right? So <laughs> right. also, I don't, I don't fully understand why that is not a round number. It's not an even number. It's an odd number. And that doesn't make any sense. How did that happen? But like, let's not worry about that. Maybe it's like 
the notification came through on one device when I already had it open on another. I don't know the reason. Yeah, and I will totally grant that for you. Uh, I was going to make the same clarification because I have that issue with with the excellent timer do DUE on my phone. Oh, I can't wait which, to see how many there's going to be there. I'm really excited about which the possibility I, of that. I, I only recently discovered I had the same thing where there was an iPad. I didn't know that that I was like, oh, you've oh, also God. been getting all my do notifications. So I, I have, I think I have like double the do notifications that I'm supposed to have. I did just look and mine over the last seven days for do was, was just 27. Okay. But I oh, wasn't I, at I home, literally just so. got one at this very moment. Sure do, I swear it hurt us and it just sent me a notification. <laughs> like, yes, do you need This me? very moment. No, it, it didn't say, it didn't say yes. It just, just a little reminder to, to me. <laughs> but that's, hi, do, I see you. Okay. Uh, yes, marked, done. That is done. Great. Okay, so let's let's talk about mm-hmm. screen time mm-hmm. in, in the beginning here. So we have, we've got top of the list for you is YouTube at eight hours and 15 minutes of YouTube. Yeah, so this is one of the big ones. Why yeah. that's slightly different. Uh, I downloaded a bunch of like multiple hour YouTube videos for my flight home. Oh, you used YouTube's view offline feature. Yeah, I, I, I use YouTube Premium for it, and it's fantastic. Ah, I've, I've never gotten a chance to try that. I've been watching some documentaries on a, a YouTube channel called Noclip, which mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, there might be something in there for a, for a later uh, Cortex movie club. Um, but they're like multiple hour documentaries. Like I watched the documentary about Half-Life, which is like a hmm. two hour documentary. Noclip, you say? Noclip, yeah. It's really cool. I, I will add that to my, I'll add that to my list. One of the interesting side effects of me having left most of the internet, but I, I specifically excluded YouTube from that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I've been watching much more. YouTube. I've been using YouTube a lot more like Netflix, just trying to find stuff to watch. Uh, so I'm, I'm always looking for more channel recommendations. Well, so, that's a, that's uh, a really good one. I thoroughly recommend it. I would you. say, like, just in general, though, that my YouTube usage is, is is always very high. It's always like my number one or number two app, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, in my screen time, because I w- I would say at this point YouTube is my largest media source, just in time consumption. Hmm. So like even more than something like Netflix. Yeah. For me personally, for what I am I am doing, yeah, I I watch more YouTube than Netflix. America, uh, uh, can you can you describe to me like what it is that you're watching on YouTube, just like in a very in a very general because like if if someone says oh they spend a lot of time on netflix Mm -hmm. i feel like i have a pretty good idea of what it is right but everybody's youtube is so very different like what are you spending your time consuming on youtube well i don't think it's too surprising right that i watch a bunch of technology channels you know people like mkbhd and i justine and austin evans uh tld today it's a bunch of people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch some game streams every now and then. Like there might be, just be like a game that I'm interested in, so I'll like check out YouTube gaming and like watch a stream. Okay, yeah, that that'll add time pretty fast. Adding a stream. Yeah, and I watch. Sometimes I will watch Philip DeFranco just to see like what on earth is happening in the world. If I want to know, right. like he's mm-hmm. just in there. I've recently. It makes me feel so funny to say this. I've recently started watching Vlogbrothers videos. It's just like, <laughs> hello, Mike from 15 years ago. I don't know what took me so long. Uh, Binging with Babish is a channel I really enjoy. Um, there's I, there's tons of stuff. Like obviously a bunch of vloggers. I will just pick and choose some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, like I, I'm also started watching some like documentaries, sort of video games. There's t- I watched 
tons of stuff. And I actually watch a lot of suggested videos too because YouTube's algorithm knows me really well. And oh my god, Jack Black's new gaming channel, Jablinski Games, is incredible. It's so good, Gray. Jack Black has a gaming channel? Yeah, it's part gaming, part vlog. It's excellent. It's one of my my favorite kind of... I would, I'm not going to say find because it's been like massively popular already. But I'm so pleased to have, to have come across it because it's brilliant. He clearly understands YouTube. He's not like a celebrity on YouTube. He gets it. Well, there's, there's no there's no celebrity that we could possibly mention who would be like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay, Jack Black has a YouTube Jack channel. Jack Black 100% gets it. Like there's a mix between people filming him and him filming stuff himself, right? Like with mm-hmm. his phone or whatever. But like the references he makes, the jokes that he makes, like... He 100% gets it. And every video he's made so far, he publishes one a week, has been excellent. So, oh, okay. right. so yeah, I watch out. loads of stuff and I'm finding new stuff all the time. Like, I keep myself very open on YouTube to recommendations. Like, I probably subscribe to like 60 channels or something and we'll just pick and choose stuff. And new stuff comes in and goes out all the time. So, hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like YouTube has gotten, uh, better at recommending channels like it always seems to go in waves mm-hmm. uh, that there's there's like periods where it seems like it's very static and then periods where it seems like it's much more aggressive about recommending stuff and i know over the last couple months it's done a it's done a reasonably good job at trying to bring smaller channels to my attention and like oh that's really interesting yeah like are you basically just going to youtube and just surfing whatever it suggests to you along the top is that would you say like that's mostly your user pattern typically i'm going to my sub list and okay. hmm. I power user right pick there. out videos from the subscription list and save them to my watch later playlist. Hmm. And then I so like then I will typically when I want to watch something, I'll go to my watch later playlist. But like a couple of times oh, a day, I like curate what I'm seeing. So like maybe a couple of times a day, I'll just go in and like just poke around. Be like, oh great, here's a bunch of videos I want to save, and I save them. And then whenever I sit down, and most of my YouTube uh, viewing is happening at two different times of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is like when I'm eating. So if I'm eating a meal, like if I'm eating breakfast or I'm eating lunch. And then the other is uh, before I go to bed. I, I watch mm-hmm. like probably one to two hours of YouTube videos a night uh, in mm-hmm. bed before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like a, I was just going to say, like if people are looking at this and they say, oh my God, YouTube is number one. And then, like, you know, maybe we can add in that the TV app is, you know, there's th- another three hours there at the bottom. But that's, you know, averaging that over a week, that's it's pretty reasonable entertainment consumption amounts of time like it's actually probably way under the average of what most people spend as far as like just yeah. watching stuff like there are literally like i'm looking at it over the last seven days there is not one other video app in my entire list they are that's all that there is <laughs> wow that's real. that's really interesting and i feel like this is also um like this is a fair representation of how you're actually spending your time mm-hmm. one thing that i i wonder because well, I've just been saying like, oh, I, I find myself watching more YouTube lately. YouTube for me will be completely absent from my screen time report because I've actually tried to make a real effort of if I'm going to watch YouTube, I'm going to watch it on my Apple TV at home. Yeah. Like I'm going to make an intentional decision to like I'm sitting down to watch something and to give it my full attention instead of just having something on in the background. And that uh, is something I would like to see is for screen time to expand it's like i'm logged into my icloud account on the apple tv and i think it would be nice uh if more of the activity was captured so i mean if you ever did want to know your youtube statistics youtube have it built into their own app across the entire platform 
Yeah, but it's such a like it's such a hassle. I'm never gonna do that. You yeah, know, like, I, I, wa- I want it all in one place. Um, I will say as well, their statistics don't match up with Apple statistics. I'm assuming oh, my offline viewing did not get counted. Ah, uh, okay, that's but Apple counted it. Right, it doesn't count for YouTube because you didn't possibly earn them any ad money during that time. <laughs> They're like, ah, who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> He's giving us money directly with YouTube Premium. Like, pff, we don't need to track that now. anymore. <laughs> All right, so under YouTube, we've got Tweetbot as number two, mm-hmm. just a just a squidge under seven hours of Tweetbot. Yeah, yeah, I and really that's don't the feel one. That's the it. one that seems like a lot to me, Mike. I really don't feel good about it. Tell me why. What are you thinking? How what, how do you feel about Tweetbot? Well, so like the thing is, is Tweetbot is is serving multiple functions for me, right? In mm-hmm. that it is also my news source. Right. So I'm picking up news from there. So like if I just took if you know, like let's imagine if I had if I had their three and a half hours on Tweetbot and three and a half hours in an RSS app, no one would bat an eyelid to that. Right. Um but like that's what's going on here. I'm also picking up news. So it's like, okay. But but just because my relationship with Twitter is changing and I find it like as with many people, like it isn't as great as it used to be. You know, mm-hmm. like as I think I said on on yeah on the last episode that like I feel like I'm going into battle sometimes uh, when I when I'm opening Twitter because uh, the this, the the general discourse has changed yeah so just seeing it as that many hours when I'm also kind of feeling that maybe I shouldn't be using it as much is kind of a bit like ugh but there's there's some stuff I could probably do but I just haven't done yet like you know trying again with rss apps for like the 70th time to see if yeah, i can this is doomed is doomed to fail from the start i, I feel like that yeah. that was the moment when i got twitter i remember really having an epiphany that oh twitter is just like rss this is this is a new kind of rss mm-hmm. and that was what because for i remember for a long time not really using twitter and kind of not getting it and then there was that that period of time it's very sad when Google Reader went away and RSS clients kind of failed. And, and I l- latched on to Tweetbot as being a new sort of RSS. I'm like, oh, okay, now I have a place in my life for this. Because, like, there are news outlets that I don't want to get all of their information. Yeah. But I follow reporters at some of those outlets whose articles I want to read and they will share them, right? So, like, yeah. I don't have to subscribe to whatever news source and get the fire hose of their Twitter account uh, or their RSS feed, right? But I will just get like this person's articles and all the stuff that they write and I can I can just read those because they're the ones of interest to me. Yeah, so like I, I would suggest you don't waste your time trying to get into an RSS reader again because again, it's just like it's just not quite widely supported enough yeah. and it's going to be frustrated. Like I don't think it's going to be successful. But that But that gets right to the core of you know, you have complicated feelings about Twitter because it, it isn't like it's useless. It isn't like you're just wasting uh, an hour no, a day so on Twitter. It's me. incredibly valuable as a service. But I just don't feel as happy about it as I used to. Yeah, because you open it up and like you said, you, you've gone into battle and you find yourself in the middle of a New York versus Chicago war that you wanted mm-hmm. no part in. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, your co-host is just 
tee hee hee giggling away uh, in his isolated cave far away from the internet. <laughs> Something I've enjoyed greatly. Yes. People keep replying to my tweets saying, I thought you weren't going to do any more hot takes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, damn it. They're oh, watching me. Right, right. Yeah, okay, so you're on the record. You're still doing your hot takes. <laughs> I, I greatly appreciate the Cortexans calling me out on this. Uh, because it's like, yep, they, you're keeping me in line, you know. And there's some stuff where I'm like, no, I'm comfortable <laughs> with this, right? Like, I appreciate you 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 mentioning it, but like, I don't consider this one necessarily a hot take. It's something right. I don't care about people's opinions either way, right? Like, right. I'm not like there's some stuff where like if I'm making like a prediction about something, I don't care if people think it's wrong because I don't necessarily think it's right. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prediction is different, but I feel like you're already trying to weasel out of this with some of these. We're like, that's, that's not a, that's not a hot take. That's a it's a it's a medium take. It's, it's not media. even a take, it's really. Take. It's, it's a give. It's just... <laughs> it's a medium give. This is not a hot take. Please leave me alone. <laughs> Tepid at best. <laughs> this episode of Cortex is brought to you in part by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the cloud accounting software that can save you up to 192 hours of your precious life. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has dramatically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. Invoicing clients, it's always a little bit stressful. It's a thing that you want to make sure that you get right, and FreshBooks makes it easy. Not only do they have templates and automatic numbering of the invoices and like keeping track of just making it look good, but they also handle the awkward human side of invoices. FreshBooks will send out automatic late email reminders so you don't have to chase down your client. FreshBooks can do the reminder for you, which is probably better for everyone. This allows you to spend less time chasing down payments and more time working your magic. And when you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can also let you know whether they've seen it, which entirely eliminates some guessing games. I've used FreshBooks for years. I really like it. And if you're listening to this and haven't yet tried it, do so now. FreshBooks are offering a unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of Cortex. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash cortex and enter cortex in the how did you hear about us section. Seriously, if you send invoices to anyone, use FreshBooks. They're great. Once again, go to freshbooks.com slash cortex and enter cortex in the how did you hear about us section to get a unrestricted 30-day free trial. Thanks to FreshBooks for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Messages is always a surprise to me. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a really good case for your 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 phone telling you what it is that you really do. Messages is like the prime example for this. Five and, and a half hours yeah. in messages. And it's like, I know I send lots of messages every day. My notifications can show you that. But mm -hmm. like, it doesn't feel like I am spending time in the app, right? Like yeah. that's I don't ever think of spending time in the messages app. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I am always shocked that messages even is in the top 10 right and even like for me to see how much higher messages is than slack so i'm spending right. five and a half hours of the last seven days were spent in messages and two hours and 50 minutes was in slack and that is a surprise to me yeah it it, it always is like i don't know why it is but it, it's, it's like your brain just i think maybe i kind of know just just talking to you now, I think I've had something click about why am I always surprised about how much time messages takes and why like you find yourself that you're surprised as well. 
And I think it's related to the frustration when you're talking with someone else and they get a text message and that person then goes to just, quote, quickly reply to the person they're talking to. It's very clear that everyone is horrifically bad at estimating how long it actually takes them to reply to the text message. Yes. Because in social situations, a number of times I have found it awkward because I don't I don't want to take out my phone in these moments, especially because now I don't have like social media to check, that I'll just sort of sit there and wait <laughs> and just watch them. It's, but it is <laughs> It is frankly astounding how long people take to reply and they they clearly have no sense about it. And I, I too, am in this category of yes. like not perceiving how long it takes me to reply to text messages. When you reply to a message, how often is that the end of the conversation? Yeah, I, I think of this uh, I think of this as a, a half-life. Mm-hmm. Um, of of like is the conversation really over? And in the gray household, this usually comes up. Uh, say if we're going to be watching a movie, and someone is wrapping up a text message conversation. Oh yeah, and is is like okay, you'll get a go on movie, and I'll think, is it really a go on the movie though? Right, and and you you wait for the half life of the text message conversation to really die out. So that, that's another good point. To yeah, make. I think there there are times where we are experiencing that exact same half life. Look, I I think <laughs> look, I'm not saying I'm not saying that there might be a point of communication between the Gray household and the Hurley household <laughs> around the same time that would be delaying the beginning of movie time. But yes. It's, it's definitely a thing. It's a possibility. <laughs> but that, it's kind of astounding, really, isn't it? Like, and I feel like it's it's so interesting that that this behavior exists, where we have no idea how long it's going to take us to reply. And also, mm. there is this idea that if you get a message and you feel like you need to reply to it, like you have to take a break from whatever you're doing to reply to it, it means it's important, which means mm-hmm. there is very likely to be subsequent messages that come from it, right? If it wasn't important enough for you to have to reply to it immediately, then it's probably not a thing that's going to take a time to resolve the conversation, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I really do think messages is ground zero for you're going to be surprised by how much you use it and how much you think you use so it. So this is exactly one of those things where it's like when we talk about, like when, you know, when I was introducing this segment of like, I feel like I have a good handle of, of my time from work. But I have no idea what's going into that five and a half hours. Yeah. I know there's work in there. I know there's social stuff in there. But, like, that is a lot of unaccounted time. Mm. And it's the same with Slack. Like, so if I combine messages and Slack together, we're looking at, like, nearly 10 hours of the week, which I have not tracked. Right. In any way. Yeah. I mean, at least Slack is clearly more on the work end of the spectrum of, of what it is that you're doing. But it's doing. very unlikely that I've, the way that I time stuff, that I've like, all right, open in Slack, starting a timer. Like, that's just not, you know? Like, yes. I, I'm, I'm picking it up and doing stuff um, and then moving on from it, right? So, which is, so it's like, it, you know, I, I find that kind of kind of fascinating. Yeah, and it's it's also a case where, like, even if you have screen time on, which is good and it is helpful, I still recommend that people manually track their time in terms of activities because these these are like two views into the same thing. And 
like you said, you're picking up Slack and, and dropping it throughout the day, and you're almost certainly, well, you aren't starting a Slack timer and starting a Slack timer. But screen time is helpful because it can it can show where there's little leaks that you're not aware of. And you feel like, God, I'm spending more time in this. You know, there's two minutes here and three minutes there or five or ten minutes. Like, they really add up mm-hmm. in a way that's not always really, that's not always super visible. I don't think Apple would ever do it, but I would love to be able to click on an app and, and see a heat map of when are you likely to be using this throughout the day. Like, I think that that could be interesting to see. I can imagine them doing that because, like, I feel like some of the charts that they have are not too far away from that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it would be much more useful than a, here's how much you used it during the day. Well, I would also like a breakdown of time spent per thread. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so well, I know what's going on there. Yeah. I think I think you're... Because you're if it turns that. out that it's like my thread with Adina and my thread that I have with like a few friends, like I don't care about the time. Mm-hmm. But if it turns out that it's like threads that are like work related, then maybe I should be knowing about that. Maybe they shouldn't even exist there. Yeah. All right. How are you feeling about your grams use? You good with the grams? The time spent. Mm-hmm. So we got four hours and 56 minutes. And I'm honestly encouraged by that. Okay. Because I want to use Instagram more mm-hmm. and other networks less. Right. And I know that that time spent is creeping up. And there is a, when we get on to talk about pickups, I have something interesting that I've noted there. But that time, so time spent four hours and 56 mm. minutes in Instagram, that, that's creeping up. And that doesn't bother me at all. Like, what is it, less than an hour a day? Yeah. Right? Like, that doesn't bother me. I think that's great. Like, because that is, you know, I'm, I'm, I consider that four hours and 56 minutes of pure enjoyment because that's yeah. how I feel when I use Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have uh, Google Docs at three and a half hours, which I presume is mostly show prep. That makes it's sense, all show right? prep, and that makes yeah, perfect sense prep. to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, do you want to uh, let's jump over to pickups because I can see immediately. I think the thing that you uh, you think is interesting data that you want to point out. So, yeah. do you want to do you want to tell the people what's what's here in pickups? So we have a couple of things. So my total pickups one thousand one hundred and sixty four times I picked up a device, either my iPhone or my iPad, over the week, averaging out one hundred and sixty six per day. Um, by this, when I first saw these numbers, like first ever, I was horrified by them. But mm-hmm. now I am not because everyone I know is in this range, so I don't feel like a like a monster. Um, and first, so this was this was the chart that was the most interesting to me out of all of the data uh, because mm-hmm. it has a little list of apps that are the first used app after a pickup. So this kind of so so messages is the top. 229 mm-hmm. times after picking up my phone or picking up my iPad. Um, and Apple, by the way, clarified that this was not just like checking the time, these pickups. It's like what they deem a meaningful interaction with the phone yeah. in some way. Um, so 229 times and then using messages. This makes perfect sense if I'm getting over a thousand uh, message notifications in a week that mm-hmm. I should have 229 times, right? That, that all makes sense. Yeah. But then my next most used app after pickup is Instagram. Mm. And it's more than Tweetbot. Which is more than Tweetbot. That's, that's the interesting thing. So it goes messages, Instagram, Slack, Tweetbot. Slack being where it is makes sense because I get Slack notifications, mm-hmm. right? And when I get a Slack notification, I kind of have it set up in such a way that if I get a notification on Slack, I pretty much should be opening Slack. Right. And I would have always assumed that Tweetbot was super high up. It's in the top four. Because mm-hmm. like I feel like that's what I'm always doing on my phone. 
But what I'm doing is when I'm opening TweetBot, I'm spending a long time in it and then leaving it. But Instagram, I am checking it more than any other app except messages. And I have no notifications for Instagram. So this is all pure opening the phone. What app do I want to use? Oh, I want to use Instagram. Yeah. In in YouTube land, we would say that TweetBot has an average watch time per interaction than Instagram does. (laughs) Like TweetBot is holding you there longer per time you open it. Which makes sense to me because there's more information. I'm I'm clicking on reading stuff. I'm watching videos, right? Like I'm doing a lot more multimedia interactions in TweetBot. Where Instagram, most of the time I'm watching stories and then I'm going through the feed as well. I I spend more time with stories, really. And this this is actually a thing that Instagram is finding in general these days. Mm. People are spending a lot of time with stories and then they're also going through the feeds as well. Um, But that is like an interesting and for my own personal use, an encouraging statistic because Mm. of the way that I want to use my devices. So what I am clearly doing is I am being more drawn to Instagram. The other thing mm. that is interesting to me about this is Instagram is just on my iPhone. Oh, oh, right. Of course. Yeah. Do they still not have an iPad app? No, they still... don't have an iPad app. <laughs> so what I find interesting about that is I am most of the time using my iPad in the day. So I, so TweetBot is getting that, like, what shall I do now? I'll open TweetBot thing. That's getting that mm. a lot. But Instagram, even just being on my iPhone. So, like, it's something I've noticed myself doing. I'm on my iPad. And I want, and I just pick up my phone and open Instagram because mm. I just want to go see what's happening on Instagram. So that is a that this is the most interesting data to me because it's showing a, a change right. in my my device usage. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and Instagram would be the app to pick up when, say, you're waiting for someone else to finish a text message that they just got. You know, yeah, a lunch or whatever. Like, geez, that would that would so be long. the go to check app. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, uh, okay. So then, going to your notifications, mm-hmm. if we Correct out the math here. You have gotten 1,700 notifications in the last seven days. So that works out to be about 250 notifications a day mm-hmm. if we're dividing by three. How do you feel about that? I feel fine about it. Because like yeah. the apps that are there at the top, yeah, I expect that, mm-hmm. right? Messages, Slack, Spark, and Todoist, like, these are the applications that I want to be notifying me multiple times a day about the things that they need to be notifying me about. Like I have no problem with my notification numbers at all. Like that's just, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I I think, I think they make sense too. And uh, again, especially because you like the nature of your work is very communicative and like you're talking to people. So like Slack and Spark and to do is like those, it totally makes sense that these things are up there as, as notifications that you get. And I think sometimes people can be a little bit like tisk tisk about the number of notifications, but it's like, but these are devices that you're using to do stuff. Like, of course, they're going to notify you a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and 250 notifications a day, especially when you're including what are basically like iMessage threads, where when you're not looking, someone messages you five sentences. Like, it doesn't seem like a crazy number to me. No. And also as well, like, is thing to remember... I don't have this strapped to my wrist anymore. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. So this is right. These notifications, they only are getting to me when I want them to. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. has become a very different, a very different part of like a dip. It's become a very different feeling for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm happier having not wearing the Apple watch. Hmm. 
like my ultimate feeling on that is I have no desire to go back to having something physically attached to my body which can notify me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think that, and I'm not trying to launch like a big uh, philosophical debate here, but I actually think it's probably pretty unhealthy. Because mm. if I don't want to be notified, I mean, do not disturb is great, but I can just take my phone and just put it over there. Mm-hmm. Or like, if I'm busy doing something, my phone isn't touching me most of the time, right? Like mm-hmm. I probably got it on a table. So if I'm caught up in something, those notifications aren't going to get to me and I can just do the thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But if I'm wearing my Apple Watch, it's always going to be jumping in. And for me personally, I think it's 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 been a better impact on my mental health to be able to separate myself from technology physically. So hmm. I I'm I'm in the very early stages of formulating this opinion, having hmm. not worn an Apple Watch for basically a year at this point. Um it it'll be May where I would have not worn an Apple Watch for an entire year. Hmm. And I have noticed that I am feeling better about that. That's very that's interesting to hear. Um partly because of what what you said about like not having the watch and not having notifications on and partly because of what I find incredibly frustrating limitations about how screen time and notifications work on iOS and the Apple Watch. I keep going through phases where I either it doesn't really matter, but I have I have experimented sometimes with basically not ever getting messages on the Apple Watch and it's it's not what I want. Um, what I want isn't quite technically possible to my great frustration, but I could totally see that, like for some people, that makes sense as an option. Like, you know what? Maybe this thing isn't isn't for you being tapped and and not having your phone around. The reason so far that I have always come back from doing that is because ever since I've had my Apple Watch, I just I don't really pay any attention to where my phone is once I arrive in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's a couple of charging pads, and I just sort of drop it on one of them, and so. Uh, I have very often ended up during those little phases coming back to my phone and there's a whole ton of notifications on it. I'm like, oh, I should have known about these. <laughs> I just wasn't looking. <laughs> like, yeah. I think my ten- my tendency is to get very, uh, we-, we can put it this way, to be very unattentive to the outside world uh, in- sometimes. And uh, so I-, I do need a system of notifications that works. And because I just lose track of where the phone is with the watch, I need to have some notifications on on the Apple Watch, but I I can easily believe and easily see that that you are finding yourself much happier not having a device with notifications on your wrist at all times. I can yep. I can easily see that. And like we're trying, you know, at home to have specific time, which is like no phone time, right? Like mm-hmm. We're doing a thing, and we're not gonna let the outside world bother us while we're playing this game or watching this movie. Like let's just enjoy this together, mm-hmm. and. It's so much easier to do that when it's not attached to me. Right. Yeah. You can just yeah. Because nothing, because nothing can bother me. And yeah, these controls exist on these devices. But I, I know me, and I know mm-hmm. that I would be less inclined to set them up just right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's impossible to set them up exactly right yep. because of some limitations. Exactly. Which will hopefully be changed. All right. So that's mine. Okay. Now, Mike, I need. I need to paint you a picture ah, before we go. Here we go. I show you my mm-hmm. screen time. Yeah, of course you do. 
Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you in part by our friends at Hover. Buying a domain name is the first step to building your online identity. And with Hover, you can find the domain name that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. There's a few things that I absolutely love about Hover. I love their customer support. There have been times where I've just needed some answers to some stuff and I've been able to use guides or talk to their customer support team and they've been right there ready to help me out whenever I need it. And I also love Hover Connect. It's a feature that allows you to connect your domain name to many website builders and tools with a few simple clicks. So you don't need to be copying and pasting strings of text into the domain panels and onto a bunch of different websites. You can just connect them right up with just a couple of clicks. It's super, super simple. Everybody needs a domain name these days. You have to have one. If you want to have any kind of presence online, and who doesn't, it's important to have a domain name and for yours to stand out and for it to say something about you. Hover has over 400 domain name extensions that you can choose from, which can help you brand yourself online. A super cool option is .me, because if your website's about you, why not have a .me domain name? It's a great extension for showcasing a portfolio or maybe a CV page like a resume or maybe just a page about you where you link to all of your social media profiles. You can show everyone who you are and what you're good at and there are a bunch of domain options available with the .me extension. So if you have a great personal website ready for launch, why don't you grab a .me right now? It's super popular for design portfolios and personal websites and is a super great way to keep your website standing out with a fresh, cool name. What I love about Hover is that when I have any type of idea, like I'm always working on ideas, you know that. I'm always working on many harebrained schemes and little side projects and all kinds of wonderful things. The first thing I always do when I'm in the naming process is I go to hover.com and I start making some searches. And I'm always astounded at how easy they make it for me to grab the domains that I want. And I'm usually walking out of a couple because they give me a bunch of great suggestions as well for different wordings and also for different extensions and stuff like that. So I absolutely love Hover because they make that process of my idea creation fun and easy. .me domains are on sale this month at Hover for only $9.99. So if you want to pick up one of those .me domains, you can get 33% off your first year with a $9.99 domain. And if you're new to Hover, you can get an additional 10% of any domain extension for your first year by going to hover.com slash cortex right now. That's hover.com slash cortex. It's time to get your portfolio website up and running with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So it's been a different week than normal. Although, as, as you said to me one time a long time ago, you're like, oh, it's always a different week, which I think is an excellent point. There's always something going on. But mm-hmm. my wife has been uh, traveling and visiting some friends for the last 10 days. So I have been a man on my own in the house. And here's what I've done. My office, my home office, perfectly fine. It's good, good for a central London home office. But by American standards, it's a small closet and half of it is filled up with this black monolith. So I figured, oh, my wife is going to be gone for a big block of time. I'm going to I'm going to relocate into the main room of our flat. And so here's here's the setup. Imagine a rectangle. At one end of the rectangle, I have the old fashioned, the first setup I think we talked about on the show setup of an iPad with an external keyboard on like on an elevated desk to use as a as a writing area Uh, just like a little dedicated writing spot on the other side of the room table with a computer on it and now on the longer wall 
screen facing perpendicular to those two is my TV, where there is a Nintendo Switch connected, and I dragged a chair into the main room to be able to sit butt feet away from this 38-inch screen, like parents never wanted you to do, to be able to play video games. And in the last 10 days, I have left the house exactly twice, Mm -hmm. both times because the garbage needed to be taken out. And I have just been rotating between these three workstations and then sleeping. And that's that is what my life that is what my life has been for the last <laughs> 10 days is like, what am I doing? Am I standing at the writing desk? Am I sitting at the working desk? Am I am I taking a break on the switch or am I asleep? It's basically been a graycation without leaving London. Uh it's not been bad. kind of amazing. That's not bad. But yeah. It's also it's been uh it's been a little weird. And yeah, I did recognize like, oh, wait a second. I've actually only left the house twice. Maybe I should do that a little bit more. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that's why I wanted to, wanted to set up a picture because because of having the iPad in this dedicated spot uh, and because I've been kind of I've been very focused on trying to produce uh, a video quickly. I've ended up just using the iPad a lot more than I have in a normal week. So, okay. so this this. This week is over-representative of iOS use, but I still think it's interesting. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, let me send you some images. Okay. Let's take a look at what we got here, then. <laughs> it always feels so exposing to share the screen time. Right I now. know. It's because <laughs> you can't lie. You can't all yeah. be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm such a distinguished individual. Yeah, oh, I, I, I did all these things just perfectly. It's like, no, no, here's, here it is. It's that's like, what, it's, that's, that's it's what very, I'm saying, right? It's like very it, intimate. It tattles on you. Although, to be honest, just like a quick glance here. Yeah, see, this is the thing. Everything you were doing to slack off has not been recorded here. Yeah. Uh, which is Nintendo Switch time. Yeah, okay. So like this is but this is this is why I think it's interesting and why I wish it was more comprehensive. Because yes, there's two big things in the last week which are just totally unrecorded, you know, lost to the sands of time. Uh it's either playing around on the Switch or watching YouTube or mm-hmm. like I had uh uh you'll notice there's a there's a dramatic drop on Wednesday. <laughs> and what about a Wednesday? <laughs> Uh, like it's a long story short but basically i ordered this this really interesting book on animation on thursday Mm -hmm. uh i should remember i should recommend the remember the guy's name but anyway fascinating book on like how do you animate characters in a movie i just just was interested in can you find a link and i can put it in the show notes for that yes i will find you a link for the book it's like the illustrator's handbook or something it is like a gigantic bible of a book if you got a paper book yeah I, it was a paper book it was delivered to the house because they didn't have an option for a, a kindle edition okay and so wednesday morning uh, i was like oh let me take a look at this book i came in last night uh i'm perfectly fine just reading a little bit in the morning this is going to be a nice start to the day uh and the book was really absorbing i spent most of the morning reading it and then i realized at the end that the guy who wrote the book was the lead animator for who framed roger rabbit oh and i was like Oh, I've got to watch this movie now. And uh, so like this is where the whole day went. But let me tell you, wa- watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit after spending a couple hours looking at animation tricks by the guy who made the movie was an incredibly interesting experience. How does that movie hold up? It holds up fantastically. Really? Like, I, w- I was blown away huh. by how well that movie held up. I think it could honestly be released 
almost as, a, as like a movie now. Wow. I think it would be perfectly fine. The fact that it's set back in time really helps it. Um, but anyway, because right, so it was already it was already set in like the fifties yeah. or whatever, right? So, yeah, it came yeah. out in the eighties and it was mm-hmm. set in the thirties, right? So it, like it it helped it helps it quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that was a very interesting uh, day that was like sort of my unofficial day off, but still like that was not the plan for the day in the morning for how it was going to go. But this is why iOS time just completely sure. disappears, right? Because nothing's being recorded. Yeah, because you're like averaging four hours fifty minutes a day, but that would have been over five hours. Yeah, right. Yeah, if, if if Wednesday was a more more in line day with the rest of the days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's that's why like it's not. This is not a representative sample of what I'm up to, but mm-hmm. it's it's nonetheless it's the screen time that I have to share. So I see something I don't have, which is limits, and I'm sure this means like app limits. And you have Slack and Mail twenty minutes. Is this per day? Uh, yeah, that's a per day limit. Mm-hmm. And the, the the reason those limits are there is. It's, it's actually not because I spend too much time in those apps. It's it's actually, I hardly ever use either of those apps on iOS. But the limit is there because I don't want to get sucked into something. And if I happen to be opening uh, mail or my secondary Slack, I always want to make sure I'm doing it with a real purpose of like, why are you doing this? Is there something really important you need to do? Right. When you're on iOS, these this, these are not the times to actually yeah. be taking care of this work. It's meant for yeah. for the Mac. Okay, that's exactly it. Like this is not the ideal environment to do this. Do it somewhere else. And and I also like that the the way it works, the way the limits work is if I do spend more than twenty minutes on them, it it locks the app, and then it also just removes any badges that might happen to be there. So it really becomes totally like out of sight, out of mind. So that's why I have those two limits there. But it really doesn't come into play very often because I just mm-hmm. tend not to uh, use those apps on iOS. Do you, do you see that like you're soon going to have what you wanted, which was the ability to customize downtime to certain hours on a daily basis? Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I'm glad to hear that that's coming in. It's coming in iOS 12.2. So you oh, can cool. customize every single day and what times you want downtime to to start and end uh, on a on a per app basis. No, this is like the downtime one, which is that you know when you can. Uh, okay, but again, better but not great. But exactly. I'll take it. I'll yeah. take whatever I can get. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's take a look here. So Scrivener and Kindle and Good Notes. I can one hundred percent understand what's going on in these, right? So because <laughs> I know you're working on a video, right? So I'm assuming yes. Scrivener is the writing of the video. So you're still using Scrivener. Yep. Uh, Kindle is research and just general reading. Yeah, research and general reading. This is also a place where uh, activity is partly uncaptured because I I try to use the Kindle uh, whenever I, the sorry the actual physical Kindle uh, whenever I can. I do like I find that screen easier on the eyes. Um, but if it's if I'm doing reading that is much more for a project, the ability to do highlighter colors and to type notes on iOS just wins out i wouldn't be i mean i would have imagined that there was a lot of this kindle time where it's open and you're referring to the books while writing too yeah so i think i think the way ios does it is totally fine but there is a there is a double counting factor sometimes where it's like i have scrivener and kindle open Mm -hmm. or like very often i have scrivener and evernote is open or scrivener and MindNote are open like there's a that is happening a lot on iOS. Like there's these two things that are occurring there. Um, and good notes. My assumption is that this is like when you're marking up a script. It's probably uh, yeah. So good notes is is three things. Um, it's 
marking up a script. It's doing animation feedback and storyboard feedback with the animator. So like getting a bunch of slides. Uh, and then sometimes, uh, and you've seen a couple of these, doing some some pretty terrible concept art for yeah, sometimes uh, what should be in the video. Sometimes sends me these like little scribbles with no context and won't give me any either. No, look, you, you say, you, okay, Mike says sometimes, but I think only this week have I done that because I've been in, I've been in like crazy isolated modes. So I was like, I'm going to show Mike this thing that I just Okay. Drew. I can't remember what I showed you, but I'm, I'm sure you can share it with the viewers because the video will be yeah. out by that point. It in was time. the book with the tentacles coming out of it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I sent you. Right. But if it's not illustrations, sometimes you just send me like, charts with <laughs> scribbles and like random code in them that, that is that it's like oh look what i did now this is mike being slanderous i don't think that has ever happened you're that gonna have to you're gonna have to pull back a long time to find anything like that in our iMessage threads together. i'm not saying that it happens frequently but it has happened on more than one occasion that you send <laughs> okay. these things but it does usually coincide with you being on a graycation right which is basically <laughs> what you just did again yeah um, yeah I am the most interested, though, and you probably knew this, in app number four on your list, which is Masterclass. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask about this. <laughs> now, Masterclass, I've always, I've not, re- I've always kind of had a raised eyebrow towards Masterclass. I get the ads me, a lot. Me too, one hundred percent. Because it is one of these like training platforms, and there are lots of them available, right? Like where you can go and take a, a class. But the thing that is different, and I'm, and I just don't know how I feel about it, is Masterclass. They are courses by people that are extremely famous and successful in their field. So you mm-hmm. can take like a comedy class from Steve Martin or like, oh, you want, you want to take a, like a directing class from Scorsese, right? Like, and it's mm-hmm. like, all right, come on now. Or like a cooking class by Gordon Ramsay. And it's like, what is going on? And I always feel like, I always have this feeling where I'm like, is it possible to actually learn from these people or should you be using these things that are a little bit more practical? (laughs) So I really want to know what you're doing and I want to get your opinion on it. Right now I've had 100% that same raised eyebrow, Uh, but, but also because I'm in the field of educational video, sort of, Mm -hmm. there's also been a professional interest of like, what are you up to masterclass? Mm -hmm. Because their ads on YouTube are, amazing like i think they're they're just really well done i cannot fathom how they make enough money to pay the people that they get to do the videos i mean well the answer is the courses are shockingly expensive oh like really your, your breath will be taken away oh, okay. by how expensive they are that like that is the answer uh when i decided to look into it i was like oh this is how they make their money <laughs> like you do not need many people to sign up uh for this so that's how they make their money um, but yeah, if you've spent any time even remotely near educational videos on YouTube, like you have seen Masterclass ads. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. They're available for in-app purchase. They're like 85 pounds each. Yeah. It's like it's like 85 bucks for a course and they have some deal of like $150 for a year or something for a bunch of courses. I don't remember exactly, but it's it's a lot. Okay. So here's the thing. I always was curious about them. I'm like, I kind of want to know. And... When I started getting the ads for Neil Gaiman talking about writing, I was like, oh, man, like Masterclass, like you're getting me close here to be curious about what this is. Because Neil Gaiman is an author I really like. I like a lot of his work. And I, I was just kind of curious to see what this is. But, I, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the one that finally got me was totally unexpected. 
Dan Brown, the guy who wrote The Da Vinci Code, <laughs> okay, did a course in writing on Masterclass that, that I saw on one of the YouTube ads. And I was like, oh, hi, Dan Brown. I've read two of your books, and I liked neither of them. Uh, but they were page turners, but especially the second one, I kind of got to the end of it out of just sheer frustration. You know, like sometimes you're reading a book and you're like, I don't like this book, but you're, but you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plow through it and get to the end because of you're frustrated, not because you're having a great time. But nonetheless, I thought it's interesting to hear from people who are doing sort of the same thing in a very different way. Or I think like it can be even more enlightening to hear someone talk about their work who is successful, but whose whose work isn't the kind of thing that you like. like you can sometimes hear different things in that. So the curiosity totally overtook me. And I was like, God damn it. Like, here we go. Okay, I have to see the Dan Brown course on writing. Like, I just, I need to know. Mm. I need to know what he says. And so I will say this. All of my raised eyebrows about Masterclass were 100% confirmed by going into it. And for me, that's not a bad thing because what what they're really doing and what my suspicion from many of the trailers were is I think they're sitting down these super professionals for one to maybe three days and they're interviewing them in a filmed environment that isn't going to change and having them talk about their work and then it is being edited into like a a class that's broken down into little sections that's like lessons. But are you going to learn writing or cooking from one of these things? No, I, I don't think you are. And this is what concerns me about people paying for these classes. Yeah. Is that they're super expensive and like you come out of it hoping that like R.L. Stein is going to teach you how to write a young Yeah, fiction. like yeah, he's on he's on my cue list, right? Yeah. So so I have the feeling like I actually got exactly what I wanted for my money, right. which is I wanted to hear Neil Gaiman just talk about being a writer. And I, I, I genuinely wanted to hear Dan Brown talk about, like, what is it like to be Dan Brown, the writer? And I've, I genuinely found it really interesting. Again, even though I did not enjoy his books, it's like that was really interesting to listen to. He he talked through the mechanics of like what it, how do you write a thriller? Like what makes a thriller novel different from other kinds of books? How do you do certain kinds of setups? And because I, I went through that like in quotes course, uh, which I think is much more like an, like an interview where the interviewer has been cut out. Um, I, I went onto my Kindle and just bought the first thriller that was at the top of the like Amazon recommends you check it out list. You know, something about like a murder in Mississippi. And I read it out of just interest in seeing the mechanics play out. And it's like, man, this dude is following the Dan Brown formula 100%. And it's just interesting to see. In the same way, like all those YouTube channels that talk about how movies are made. Mm-hmm. And you can sometimes see in a movie a different kind of thing after watching that. So, Oh, I watch a bunch of those channels yeah. too, if you're wondering about the other things that I'm watching. There's <laughs> yeah. a bunch of those as well. <laughs> Everybody does. You, can, yep. you can't escape them. Mm-hmm. So again, I am very happy with the purchase, but... You know, because it's like I watched... Um, Please tell me that you bought the 
all access. Yeah, I bought the all access thing. You, it would suck if you watch one for eighty five and you're like, oh, this looks good, and it's like oh, one hundred and seventy, and you get it all. Yeah. No, I, I immediately bought the whole thing, and it's like this is this is clearly a business expense as well. Uh, it's like this is just this is totally in my wheelhouse. So yeah, I just mm. I watched like an hour of Werner Herzog talking about filmmaking. And it's like you know again. That's not also a, so funny to me. Yeah, it's like, I'm not a filmmaker. Also, Werner Herzog is like the weirdest filmmaker in the world. It's no like, what one, are you learning? Yeah, no one should take his advice because no one could make his movies other than him. Like, they're so squirrely and they're so particular to him. And it was really interesting to hear him talking about, he does all these like, oh, I always like to make sure that you hold on the frame until people get uncomfortable and and it's it's, and it's like it works because you're you and and because everyone's just, always uncomfortable around you Werner. like that's just how it yeah. is yeah it's it's so so for me i feel like oh this is this is great this is a gold mine of hearing ridiculously professional people just talk about their work but i you know i mean we don't need we don't need to get into a sidebar of how effective does gray think education is in the first place asterisk not very and only under limited circumstances but but i think yeah if, if you think you're going to write the da vinci code after watching dan brown's masterclass on writing uh you are going to be sorely disappointed if, if you want to know about how books are written and how authors think about writing books you will be you will be very happy so that was that was my experience with masterclass uh but the side note here is i didn't figure out for a while that uh, on the phone, you can tell Masterclass to just play the audio in the background, whereas this is not an option on the iPad. So the only reason it's showing up as four hours is because oh, I right. left the iPad screen on and it would play the videos. Um, and then I eventually figured out on my phone, I could like use it basically as an audio book. Like just play me this, just play me Dan Brown talking or just play me Neil Gaiman talking about whatever. And so I was listening to it while tidying up the house. Like that's, that's what I was doing with it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I, I'm intrigued about this a little bit more than before because, like, I'm pleased to see that it, it's what I kind of had assumed it would be, which is interesting. But like, it does, it, it does concern me. Like, some of these classes concern me. Like, I because I don't like the thought of somebody who is an aspiring filmmaker paying eighty five pounds to quote unquote learn from Werner Herzog because I I don't think that this is a class in the sense of a class right yeah. like they are like mini documentaries or whatever right like or long interviews as you say and that's a better way of framing it but their whole thing is around it's a class and we're going to teach you and I just don't know if it's that but that doesn't mean that they're not super interesting and or valuable but yeah people just need to to frame it in a different way in their minds maybe yeah here's the thing if Again, so I've watched I've watched or listened to bits of five of them, let's say. Dan Brown's is the only one I went all the way through. Um, and then I've just like, whatever is interesting to me, just play some parts and like click on the thing that sounds interesting. Um, if this was released as a series on Netflix, it would 100% be like Cortex homework as a, as a work documentary to talk about, which is not the kind of thing that we would be saying if it was like a university writing course. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's... You know, I think people should know what they're they're getting into. But yes, your suspicions were confirmed. And every time I watch one of those trailers with like the celebrity sitting 
facing the camera directly and talking to them like, I think I, I think I know exactly what this is. It's what I want, but I'm not sure it's what people think when they're when they're laying down 80 pounds for a course. I feel like I might I might want to pick up on some of these. Yeah, I, f- I figured that was going to be the one that you were you were interested. Yeah, in. <laughs> yeah, it was like it just screamed at me the moment I opened it. <laughs> it was calling to you, Mike. It's like Gray's taunting you with his screen time. <laughs> I feel like Masterclass is a conversation that I've intended to have with you like twenty times, and I've just never yeah. mentioned it. All right, so Slack. I'm honestly surprised to see that you're in Slack for three and a half hours. Um, I mean, I I can understand how you would be, but it also surprises me at the same time. Do you mean it's? Do you do you find the number high or low? I think it's high. It feels high. Yeah. So the the reason it is high is because I'm in this video crunch time, which now requires uh, much more coordination of course, than normal. Of course, yes. So that's yes. why Slack is showing up all of this much higher than it would normally. Yeah, every everything is skewed because of like intensity of purpose and and just limited uh limited options because again it's like omnifocus i get it safari is i don't know what you're doing in safari uh messages i get mind note i get evernote i get music i get i guess safari and numbers are the two on this list that are a surprise to me um because i don't know what you're doing on the internet the, the safari one uh you you know because you because on screen time you can expand out and say like show me everything down to the absolute second and if you do that on my screen time, it just goes on for pages and pages and pages with like two minutes on this website and a minute and 30 seconds on that website. So, because a lot of times I'm just checking for something. I'm in the process of of writing and I just want to check something. So, for for example, a uh, thing that just came up before we started recording, I was, I was wrapping up some feedback and I was like, what's the flag for French Guiana? That makes perfect sense. I get that. Like, but it was just I wanted to double check that. But I think overall yeah. I am pleasantly surprised and about the amount of time that you have spent on your iPad to produce a video. <laughs> does it does it make you happy to know that the iPad is involved in video production? <laughs> you know it does. I think, but it's this is a little bit of a move back. To using the iPad in this way for this type of work, and again, I know that you had certain physical circumstances that really mm. helped it, but it's just it's just interesting to me because it felt like you would maybe even for work like this, at least in my opinion, had moved away. I know that the new iPads swung it back again, um, mm. but it's just cool for me to see this data because it's it's proving that point. Yeah, and and it really is true that what I said a couple episodes ago that I feel like I have found the role in my life that it is this assistant to video production in various ways, and this week to see for screen time just happens to be useful because I happen to be using it much more, simply because I just I like pacing around. I'm able to stay at home because I have the house to myself, and the iPad was the easiest device to just mount mm-hmm. <laughs> on the opposite end of the room, so I can walk up to it and type. Um, but if 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 this was a like regular video production week, I think the the order of all of these things, except for Masterclass, which I you know just finally caved on, the order of all of these things would be the same. Just the amounts would be less, mm-hmm. and probably Kindle would be number one and Scrivener would be much reduced because while I, the app is perfectly fine on iOS, I actually can't believe how much of it works on iOS, but 
Scrivener is is designed really to work on the Mac mostly. And so yeah. I would I would shift most of that writing work. But like the Evernote, MindNode stuff, like that would still that would still be the same. Same with GoodNotes as well. GoodNotes only exists on iOS. So yep. yeah. It's in, it's involved in video production. Don't you worry, Mike. Now, your pickups and notifications are interesting to me, but even though your numbers are way smaller, it works in line. So you've got like average 65 pickups per day, mm-hmm. which is about somewhere between a half and a third of my pickups and 662 notifications, which is again mm-hmm. about half to a third of my notifications. Mm-hmm. So like they're definitely in line. And I expect that this is like a two, two things going on here. One, Apple Watch. Two, less notifications turned on in general. That's kind of what I expect is happening. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm not sure how it counts the notifications on the watch. I mean, I guess it just must include them. I don't think it does include them. Hmm. Because there is no device, which is Apple Watch. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, in in that case, yeah, I, I don't know. I, like, I'm, I don't know how to think about what this would be like if it was capturing all the data. Because I have, I have a lot of situations where stuff only goes to the mm-hmm. phone; it doesn't go to the watch. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, I just don't have any sense of. Um, yeah, I don't. We don't know what the like. Are those 144 iMessage notifications? also going to your watch or are they you know I mean like i don't know yeah, if it's I just completely never, yeah. clear what's going where but the apple watch is not included in the device list yeah i hadn't i hadn't thought about that i also enjoy i, I didn't notice until now that uh in, in terms of pickups Masterclass uh just makes the list at 11 first use after pickups mm-hmm. and that's that's where i know exactly what's happening there i'm picking it up because some section got boring and i want to jump to the next section <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you know what my favorite is though in this pickup list though right what deliveroo well i mean mike why is Deliveroo there? I had a boys weekend. That's why. That's so exactly case, it, right? In case you're not in the UK, <laughs> Deliveroo is one of these food delivery apps like yeah. Postmates or whatever, where you can basically say, hey, go to this restaurant and bring me restaurant food on a bike to my home, please. Yes. And if you are not leaving the house for a week... Uh, I am expecting this is like two delivery meals a day, uh, <laughs> which counts to the 14. That's what I reckon is going on here. Uh, I'm going to say that's exactly correct. Yeah. Because the way, de- <laughs> the way delivery works is I'm hungry. Pick up the phone, open delivery order, and then I don't have any reason to open delivery again until the next time I think I'm hungry, send food to me. Yep. Uh, so, yes, we have seven days 14 times delivery was used as the first thing on yep. the phone. And there's so, 11 notifications, which somehow lines up kind of around that idea yeah. of like every time they're coming, they're sending you a notification. Yeah. And I feel like two meals a day. Uh, in the past 10 days, I've left the house twice to take out two garbage bags full of mostly bags from other places. So, yeah, this is all it's all. It's all telling a particular story. <laughs> and then again, it's just also funny to me in the notifications, you've got iRobot, which is the Roomba. It's like, oh, I'm not doing anything here. The robot can clean up after me. Come on, robot, clean up the crumbs that I've made from my burger. Okay. <laughs> it's 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 actually not that. Oh, God, iRobot is there. I know I've said this before, and I know I know it sounds ridiculous, but it really is true. I find it... A great, a great psychological boon to productivity that if I am doing work in the house, there are robots doing work in the house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, I, if I'm having a little bit of a hard time getting started with writing, it is such, an, such a, like, 
it works so often as a trick to just put a load of laundry in the laundry machine and start the Roomba. And somehow it feels like, oh, well, I guess I should be working too now. And and it, like it works. It's the it might be it might be the single dumbest psychological trick that I play on myself, but it works. So I don't care. And I'm still going to keep doing it. And those uh, those nine iRobot notifications are all help. I'm stuck on a cliff or mm-hmm. my bin is full. That's what that's what that is. <laughs> I'm not at all surprised that you have 192 due notifications. Um, that's hilarious, but makes perfect sense. The thing, that, the thing that was the most interesting to me is how few OmniFocus there were. 20, just 20 notifications from OmniFocus over a seven-day period. Yeah. One of the reasons for that is because I try really hard to put anything that's like a naggy sort of notification into do. And I'm pretty liberal about what is a naggy notification. So, uh, for example... You you say you remember to take uh, pills in the morning and in the afternoon. I never remember. So I have I have a notification that pops up at lunchtime that says, like, don't forget to take the pills. Mm -hmm. And that is set to keep bugging me every hour, you know, if if I haven't done it. And I have I have a lot of little notifications like that. I've even been putting some things in there, like the one that popped up while we were recording is just a notification that says, think about what you might want to write this evening. Because some evenings I have a really good writing session, not always, but like sometimes those are really prime times. And I found it useful just to have a little thing pop up to be like, hey, maybe this is something you do this evening. It's not it's not a thing that has to happen now. It's just something you want to think about at this moment. And this also allows me then to have a distinction that when OmniFocus sends me a notification, this is serious time now. And I think it's useful to have that visual distinction that's like mm. purple omnifocus badge pops up and it's like hey this is a thing that really needs to be done um you know the podcast really needs to be edited today or uh like this errand has to be run like this thing this piece of paperwork needs to be filed uh that's where i really try to limit omnifocus to just very important yeah. things. Yeah, it's just super interesting to me to see the way that OmniFocus stacks across the the three data points, right? Where it's 20 notifications, 28 times that you it's the first app you pick up and two mm. 2 hours and 53 minutes of time spent in the app. Like mm-hmm. they are so counter to the way that I think about my to-do system. Like mm. I I totally understand that dues there, but like you know, there isn't hours spent in due. Right, like, and, yeah. and Dew's notification number is inflated by its incessantness, right? Yes. Where it's oh, not oh, yeah, one hundred and ninety-two yeah. separate things. It could have been like ninety separate things, but they each went off multiple times, right? I'll tell I'll tell you what most of that Dew stuff is. I have three different versions of "Hey, shouldn't you be going to bed?" All of which uh, notify me every five minutes right? because so that, that yeah. like that is the most harassing I need is it's is it's nighttime and also. Uh, seven of those OmniFocus notifications are also around, like, the end of the day is nigh. Go to bed, you moron. Yeah. OmniFocus sends sends one at 8 o'clock, which is like, day's over for work. No more work now. Uh, unless you're writing. But, like, no more work now. And then, you know, two hours later, do starts starts ramping up the harassment campaign of you should be going to bed. Mm-hmm. And that's what an enormous number of those are. Because they they repeat a lot. They repeat frequently. And I also blow them off. <laughs> 
This was more interesting than I even thought it was going to be. I knew I knew you were going to ask about that master class. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was Mike. That was some Mike bait right there. That's my big takeaway <laughs> from today's episode. Master class. Wow. I'm genuine. I was genuinely surprised to see it in there, but I'm I'm more. I would say I'm more intrigued to check it out now than I was before because mm-hmm. I kind of always felt like you're not able to teach me. Like mm-hmm. you can't you can't teach me film writing in four hours. Martin Scorsese, you can't do that because that's yeah. just not how this works. Um, but just to hear that it is more like just interesting people talking about how they work clearly is something of interest to me (laughs) (laughs) yeah i figured that might be in your wheelhouse (laughs) it might be in the wheelhouse of a lot of a lot of our listeners actually but it is really expensive um i I don't know if i I, i'm not willing to just say to someone hey just go spend 170 pounds to check this out oh yeah like i said if if it wasn't something that i could clearly regard as a business expense i may have just always been the case of i think i know what you are masterclass yeah but i'm but i'm not gonna pay this many pounds to just find out Speaking about stuff to watch, uh, mm-hmm. I would like to set some Cortex Movie Club homework mm. because you've been setting them recently. Okay, you're taking charge now? I just want to recommend something that I really liked for, for various working reasons that actually is an overall positive feeling to it. There is a Netflix <laughs> documentary series called Seven Days Out. Um, it's a bunch of episodes. Every single one of them is great in a different way. Um, and the, the conceit of the series is they take an event, then they go back seven days in time and film people related to that event over the span of a week. So, like, for example, the Chanel fashion show in uh, Paris Fashion Week, right? So you go seven days back from that point, And what does it take for them to get everything ready in the seven days leading up to that event? Right, so there's a every episode focuses on a different thing, and they're all wildly different. Like an esports competition, the Westminster Dog Show. There's a bunch of great stuff in there. That's the one I've seen. Yeah, I figured the one that <laughs> I want to talk about is uh, about Eleven Madison Park, which is a restaurant that was voted the best restaurant in the world, and then a few months later closed for refurbishment. Okay. So seven days before their reopening, it's fascinating and brilliant and i want to watch i want to watch it again and i want you to watch it and i want us to talk about it so this is one okay positive it's going to make you feel good i think there's no, at least not going to make you feel bad is, is it is it going to make you feel good because like, i have i have uh i have friends who work uh in back of house and if there's, if there's one thing i know about that job low stress uh low stress and relaxing. Yeah. That's what it's like to be back of house so, at a at a restaurant. Sure, there are there's 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 stress involved for the people that are involved in it, but it doesn't affect you as the viewer. Oh, okay, all right. right? It's all it's all swept under the rug. Okay, well, great. but like no, you can see the stress, but like I I can't imagine people like unless they do this for a living feeling super stressed. But nothing like catastrophic happens, and it seems like everything is taken care of, right? Like spoilers. Oh Jesus, Mike! You know, wow, I even watch it. <laughs> but it's like you know everything in this series like the event is complete right whether it went the way people want it to or not is like another thing like even in this one it's not 100% perfect but that's what I like about it is like the thing's gonna happen anyway how do you deal with it and that's what I find interesting about this series so 11 Madison Park will be the episode that we're we're gonna watch it's the one about the restaurant in case you need help finding it yeah, cool. I look forward to watching it. I enjoyed watching the uh, the dog episode one. 
there's one on like the I think it's the Cassini space probe as well. Like it looks like an yep. interesting series. So I've been I've been meaning to uh, to watch it anyway. And it's super interesting to me because um, I do also recommend the one about the esports competition, which both me and clearly oh, the documentary oh. makers thought was going to be the worst episode, but it's actually the best episode of the season. But if you watch it, you'll know why I don't want to talk about it on the show. I recommend watching it. Oh, it... okay. Well, I mean, now now I have to watch them all before the before the show. But yeah. this is the only mandatory one. Is That's the only mandatory Madison one. And Park. if you if you want to talk about any of the other episodes, we can. Um, yeah, but you can't that, stop me. That I'm, I'm not. I'm, I don't oh, actually, want I mean, to I guess, actually, that's not that's not true at all. You totally can stop me. But uh... <laughs> I recommend that you do watch it. But like, you okay. don't you don't need to. 